Hey there, everybody. How are you doing? Welcome to another installment of This Week in Liberpods. I am your host, at least for the time being, Nikki P. Uh, for those of you just joining us, This Week in Liberpods is a podcast dedicated to libertarian podcasts. And each week we feature a segment uh, from five different podcasts, at least right now. We're trying to figure things out. We're new. And each segment showcases what you can expect from individual podcasts. The idea is to let you test drive podcasts that you might be interested in. Because if you didn't know this, there are a lot of podcasts specifically dedicated to libertarianism. And you may not be listening to what could be your next favorite podcast. So, without further ado, we're going to jump right in here with our first clip. Today, uh, we're going to start out with a clip from the Liberty Weekly podcast, hosted by Patrick McFarlane and sometimes Keith Knight. This particular episode I was actually on, we uh, talked about Father's Day. Because it's that week. Uh, actually, in particular, we talked about the intersection of principles and liberty and being a parent. And what that sometimes means, the concessions that you'll make. So, hopefully you enjoy this. This particular sequence is Daniel Elwood of the Actual Anarchy podcast uh, and the Last Nighters podcast, giving it a go. So, Enjoy. Similar to what you guys were saying earlier, where you're going to live your principles, but you're still going to pay your taxes. You're not going to like resist a police officer when they pull you over and give you a ticket. You know, mm -hmm. you got to pick your battles and you're not going to pick a battle where you're going to end up dead or someone's going to end up hurt as a result of you living up to your principles in that particular instance, because you're on their, uh, you know, their ground there. That like, it's like, that's their environment that they want you to, what did John Lennon mm. say? You know, the flick you in the face to try to get you to fight. Mm. And then they have that excuse to escalate the situation into additional violence. Isn't that exactly what police in the hood do? Oh yeah. Yeah. They're escalation people. I mean, uh, Pat, you had, uh, uh, an episode on the Detroit threat management center, which is like a private uh, security service that's in Detroit and they have no escalation of violence. They use de-escalation techniques. And, and to my knowledge, um, and I, I, you know, I'm not like totally up on this, but they have not had any um, violent altercations that resulted in serious injury or death. Mm -hmm. I think one of them got shot at one point, but I, no, they've never been sued. No one under their care has been injured or killed. Um, so it, it's very successful. Yeah. Mm. Right. And then just uh, back to the, you know, the, the wife unit being a very important factor. I do agree. And I, I got this demonstrated to me on what not to do by my uncle. He was a very right-wing Republican conservative, <clears throat> and he married a very left-leaning liberal. <clears throat> and they were at odds constantly. Any any news item that was remotely political, and this is 20 years ago before everything was political or politicized. <clears throat> and they would get into fights all the time over this stuff. And needless to say, they're no longer together. And I lucked out in that I found a, a woman who liked me and I liked her. And she went along along with me on my journey of discovering what I feel like I kind of always had in me was that streak of anti-authoritarian and not believing what I've been told, questioning everything. You know, like the the standard keep the government out of the bedroom, uh, left, you know, anti-war kind of thing that I identified with growing up. You don't trust the man. You don't trust authority. You think mm -hmm. that they're lying to you and they're trying to shape history 
so that they're, they come out smelling like a rose. And that's exactly why I consider sending kids to government schools a low-grade form of child abuse. I'm not going to do it. Like, what do you think they're going to tell them? Every time you bring up a study or some research or an article, you're a a debate opponent would be like, well, who paid for that study? Oh, who wrote that study? You know, whatever. But they never question it if it's the government paying for it. What do you think they're going to tell kids at school when the government's paying for that schooling? The employees are government employees. Of course, the government's going to come out looking pretty dang good and necessary and important, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, what did, um, was it Stalin who said, you know, give me a child a year for, or give me a child for the first five years of their life and I'll never uh, have to worry about them again. Like they'll, they'll, love me forever. They'll believe everything I've told them. I'm, I'm roughly paraphrasing here, but... Sounds like George Bush. <laughs> <laughs> What's the difference? <laughs> yeah, a matter of degree, maybe. That's right. But essentially, and you know... Personally, I thought there was a lot of good content there. Uh, and, well, I, I think that the Liberty Weekly podcast is a really good podcast. Patrick's a, uh, an attorney. leave working in Wisconsin. And he... Gets into sometimes more of the academic uh, elements of liberty, gets into the philosophy of law and things of that nature. So, fantastic podcast. Super happy and super pumped to have been a part of it myself. The next podcast we're going to feature today is the Drunken Disorderly podcast. It's a new one I just actually found out about this week. And this particular segment uh, is close to my own heart because they're going off about nerdy, nerdy shit. Uh, in particular, they're talking about Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons. And I really hope that they get this Dungeons and Dragons Liberty People thing set up so I can be a part of it because I haven't played in forever and I'd really like to play. But without further ado, this is the Drunken Disorderly podcast featuring Johnny Rocket of the Launchpad Media fame. Oh, yeah. So we got to do this. Um, uh, Kevin Shaw and Justin O'Donnell are going to be leading the Libertarian Party Magic the Gathering caucus. Uh, I, mean, I don't know if anyone's been catching it. I've like my nervous tick on this show so that I don't do anything weird is just to keep my hands busy. I shuffle this deck. This deck sucks. I wouldn't actually use it for anything, but yeah. Do you have a deck? What'd you say, Johnny? Do you have a magic the gathering deck? Hang on. Yeah, several. Oh my God. All right. Um, a whole new level of nerdness. <laughs> okay, so oh my god, you should see my comic book collection. All right, yeah, you're cool. Whatever, dude. Whatever. I bet you get all the girls with that shit. <laughs> you probably not. And there are real chicks that are actually really real. You know. Oh my god. Oh, what now? Uh, nothing. We just saying how cool you look. <laughs> hey, I got into that game from a girl, dude. See, that's what I'm saying. They're like the real chicks, right? Like, actually, I was saying that. Like, if you're a dude and you like that kind of shit, you're probably gonna meet the best women in the world. You know what I mean? Like, they if, if they're that cool, that's where you should be going. If they're a libertarian, and just played at a Magic the Gathering tournament. Fuck yeah, dude. All right. See? I so, bet that was quality tail too. I'm just kidding. This goes to Justin. He got laid at a Magic the Gathering tournament. That's awesome. That's great. Here's the thing. Like I, I talk I get it. It's fine. Don't hate mail me. 
I I taught Elfie how to play. This is something like we don't do it now because like we're actually both just disgusted with Wizards of the Coast as a company. Mm. But we used to we used to sit there and, and just play for a couple hours. Um, I I got I got the decks that were specifically balanced against each other. They weren't like serious decks. That's what this one is actually. And uh, we would just play and and switch decks after a couple hands and. It was, Look, it was that would be a and then I would get laid. Fuck you, Laura. That would be a badass county party, state party fundraiser too. Remember when we tried to do that for the next unconvention and we got shot down? Up right, right now. So we went from fourteen to fifteen people now on this podcast because we're talking about magic together. But you know, you're right, dude. Like, here's the thing: I was one of those dudes. Who like I was I was part of the RPG. I oh, I play D D like a motherfucker. Yeah. Fuck I love it. I fucking love it, dude. Rock and roll. I fucking love it. We still need to do our, our D D campaign. Like I know how to do it. We can we can just record it out of roll twenty. I'll re re up my subscription. You know, you know what would be funny yeah. is if you guys drunk and disorderly did a, a fucking Dungeons and Dragons game and you did it for like twelve hours and well, you actually played a game on the the, the fucking podcast here. Oh yeah, there's so there's people that do it on Twitch. Yeah, they'll do like three hours a week, and people would be like, "You guys are fucking ridiculous," and it would be hilarious. We would do you it. Know, I never played, so that would be maybe fun. I don't know. You would love it. You just have to learn the mechanics. I went to keggers in high school. So did I, but I also played D and D. Nobody <laughs> knew I played D and D because I had oh, my new friends over here. And I like kept them cool. Like if they say, "Hey Johnny, how's it going?" I'm like, "Don't talk to me, bitch." But then, I, you know. I think Johnny's just trying to be way cooler than he is. Maybe. I hope he doesn't kick me off his network for saying that. <laughs> I think Johnny's cool, but I'm also not cool. So I, I think that was a fun conversation. They sound like they have a lot of really fun conversations. We're actually going to kind of skip over to something a little different. Um, this next sequence is actually a segment from an audiobook that was run by the Voluntary Life podcast, but it, it, he, his general content isn't a whole lot different. Um, it's a very, very interesting podcast, and he kind of comes at the entrepreneurial side of life and you know, getting your freedom however you can which is often kind of getting out of the system that everyone has been stuffed into. Uh, I believe, I've never actually been able to pronounce his name, but Jake something. Jake, is it Jake Silas? (laughs) Uh, I'll probably edit this out. But it is a fantastic podcast. In particular here, he's talking about funding your own startup or funding your own venture and why bootstrapping is the best way to do it. Bootstrapping is the ultimate solution for any entrepreneur who wants to preserve their freedom. The term bootstrapping comes from the idea of pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. In other words, you are financing your own growth. If you do finance yourself, then you do not have to sell partial ownership of your business, you do not have to pay back loans, and you do not have to deal with all of the complications involved in getting finance from other people. If you can bootstrap yourself, you can maintain maximum control. There are two ways of bootstrapping. First, you can finance yourself through your own savings. 
If you have some money saved when you start your business, then you can draw on that money to finance the initial period before you start bringing in revenue. The more savings you have, the longer you will have before you go into debt. There's no better way to ensure that you are working on something that you really believe in than to ask yourself if you're willing to use your own savings and risk your own earning capacity in pursuing it. You are asking everyone, yourself included, to vote with their wallets about whether your project is really worth it. Is your idea important enough that you are willing to put your own money into it? If not, then it's probably not your life's work. Also, you can be pretty sure that nobody else is going to fund your venture if you don't even demonstrate that you are willing to do so yourself, as far as you are able. I funded my business with my own savings at first. I had some savings that I'd accumulated in my twenties, and so did my business partner. We both put money into the business to get things moving. It was not enough for us to get into positive cash flow, and I will explain more about the other things that we did. But it enabled us to start developing our services. Bootstrapping with your own savings is a great thing to do if you can. Obviously, it's dependent on building up savings, which can take significant time. This is why it's so much harder to start an entrepreneurial venture if you already have outstanding debt. The sooner in life that you start a business, the better, because the older you get, the more commitments you will have, especially if you want to have children. It is definitely going to make the startup period easier if you do it before you have other significant financial responsibilities. That will help you reduce your need for financing and give you a much easier start to the business. I had no debt, no major financial commitments, no kids or mortgage, and some savings. So during the break, I checked, and Jake Desireless—that's who it is. So I wasn't terribly off, I don't think. That was a whole couple minutes ago. Anyways,、uh, I think it was great, and as someone who's really interested in the entrepreneurial side of freedom, and you know, thinks that probably our best bet for freedom is to go out and pave our own way, make enough money that the government can't fuck with us. Anyways, moving right along. This next,、uh, this we're gonna do something we've never done before. I actually have two clips from this fun next show, but、uh, he's a good friend of mine. And there's so much content in this particular episode that was worth keeping. I, I, I could just re- redo the entire episode and tell you to go listen to it, but that's not what we do here. We just give you little bites, little chunks.、Uh, so this is the Pseudolectual podcast hosted by Mr. Sue, and he has Bird Arcist of the Friends Against Government podcast on. And the first sequence is going to be them talking about. You know labels within the liberty community, in particular, like the anarcho-capitalist label, just the general anarchist label. Which of those is perhaps more important, and maybe which one's too loaded to be useful?、Uh, after that, there's actually a sequence where Bird is talking about some original re- research that he's done in regards to China and the Uyghur population. That is just freaking fascinating, as as you can imagine. So let's dive right into both of these clips and get a good taste of what the Pseudolectual Podcast has to offer. Got to do it. Okay. So, but but you just identify as an anarchist, right? I mean, libertarian is nice, but like ideally, I think everyone kind of is focused on like 
anarchy's the goal, but you, you're just more, you try to be like realistic, you're open to ideas, but you want to go kind of step by step what makes sense at the time. And the more clothing, articles of clothing we can take off the state, like the better. Is that kind of like where you sit? That's pretty much exactly where I think I would sit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'm there too. I mean, I don't know like how many Anacaps actually could the show and all like offend anyone, but I don't know. Like Anacap is great, but I think at the end of the day, like I'm voluntarist if anything and just you know again take off one article of clothing every it's like strip poker before the state right i don't i don't know enough and i'm open to admitting it i don't know enough about capitalism to say that i'm a capitalist to begin with but an anarchist i've been i've been reading anarchist shit since i was 14 and listening to anarchist comedians since i was fucking 14 years old like i've always felt at least that much so i i never i never identified as an ancap i never wanted to like say that i was something i didn't know that i was for sure but definitely Mm -hmm. definitely anarchist and i i actually prefer libertarian um, not because I think I'm, I do too. Just because I, it, when so much, these principles, right. to people, it's yep. just not as repelling, right? And, like, and, and to me, I any good libertarian can... at least has a healthy distrust of the state, and so I don't feel like that's dishonest when I say I'm a libertarian. I I am. I, yeah. I believe in liberal principles, and also that the state is an evil thing. If you put those yeah. two together, you get libertarian. Or if you ask Rothbard, rest in peace, uh, we're Shout radical out. leftists. <laughs> Which I I really embrace because I mean at the end of the day it's being radical but I mean I just wish more people understood like like Scott brings up like dude like everyone who's against government regulation is really a leftist and the conservatives are you know olden times like they were the kings and queens running shit and it wasn't until people really embraced like free market capitalism to work against the state so I don't know I mean we're weird and we're kind of like the only I guess culture in a way that really gives a shit about this kind of stuff, but Mm -hmm. it's just at the same time aggravating even like I've talked about this before, like people are agorist, but they don't know it. Like, yeah, they grow their own shit. They go to farmer's markets and they try to trade a barter, sell whatever. But it's like, if only you could snap your fingers and be like, dude, you know that you're doing that in spite of the state, right? Like, do you not know the impact that you can, you know, It's, it's a pipe dream, but it's just kind of, I don't know. If only you could wake up more people. But at the end of the day, it's changing the culture and keeping the timeline weird. As yep. a, that's right. I, I forget if you brought that up or a car, but I don't remember. But someone wants to keep the timeline weird. <laughs> that's that's for sure. As long as someone does. <laughs> as long as someone does. That's right. Yeah, man. I like that. I like. There's one have specific camps. Yes, really. That's well. <laughs> other than, other the FEMA than Pizzagate. <laughs> other yeah. Other than that, no. The, I don't think. That my solutions would be able to be applied to the United States because we don't round people up in concentration camps and and thank God I mean we put them in prison but How think long about has that China been going on the concentration huh? camp thing How long has, well let me tell you been... about the policy the uh, specific policy of the concentration camps is called strike hard and has been going on since 2014. Oh, uh, I thought you named it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's Damn. it's actually called Strike Hard. Like this these are government documents that basically say, yeah, we're going to put these people in camps uh until oh, the we ones can that, that like actually name them towheads. That right. It's basically the same 
document created by the same Shit. people, right? So presently, like in government documents, they've stopped using the term towel heads, the Chinese uh, term towel heads. However, That's progress. This is like this is I, the reason why I pointed that out on my show was because it's it's supposed to give you a sense of well, this is the kind of thinking that people have about this group. You know, when we went yeah, to if people war, think people it, here are racist. Like, look at these guys. Right, I know. Is in basically when we went to war with Afghanistan and when we went to war with Iraq, the term towel head in this country started being used, mm-hmm. and it's sort of to put you in that understanding of well this is what the chinese feel that they use terms like that that it's almost like how we we uh, how the general population in the united states felt after the september 11th attacks right so just to put you in that sort of understanding about how this culture thinks right like what are they reacting to because of course the chinese feel like they're in the right here why is that and it's because they have this sort of mindset that we had, that really it's our culture that's on under attack, that they, they keep committing terrorist attack against us. It's, it's like, we got to go stop them. We don't ever consider why they do it in the first place. We just react, right? So that's pretty much universally applicable, whether it's there or here. So this specific policy that we're talking about is called Strike Hard. In 2014, Strike Hard comes out, and with it comes the creation of these camps, as far as we know, of course, the camps could have been around for a lot longer, but this is government documents. So officially, the camps come out at that point. The camps have been really the most nefarious thing that the Chinese government has done to this group of people. Sorry, 2014. 2014. 2014. Why did it so, take so long? That's like so current, it's scary. It's, it's, it's extremely current. And what's really scary about it is now, of course, we're talking about Chinese numbers here. So the numbers are going to be huge no matter what. I think uh, Dan Carlin, if you ever listen to Hardcore History, does a, yeah. an episode on um, China's war uh, in, uh, sorry, Japan's war in Manchuria uh, during World War Two, I think, and basically he puts it into this perspective. You're talking about almost a billion people here. So any battle is going to have enormous numbers. Any uh, movement is going to have enormous numbers. Imprisonments are going to be enormous, right, just by the natural number of people that are over there. Well, for the Uyghurs, I think, and I could be wrong here, there's not that many, right? At least not in comparison to China. I don't want to give an official number here. But what I do know is that the UN estimate, right? So a neutral party that has really the UN's relationship to China is about as good as it is to ours, uh, to us. It's not very good. The UN estimate of number of people since 2014 who have been imprisoned in these camps is about 1.2 to 1.6 million people. In the span of however long it's been since 2014 when these camps started taking people. That, and that's, that's probably the low number. And, and, it, and it, I've seen estimates as high as 2 million. Now, 2 million people at max, we shouldn't talk about it at max because I don't want to, you know, over-exaggerate this even though it is important. Let's say 1.5 million. A million and a half people who've been imprisoned since 2014, just imagine that, Right. Just imagine if if this country started imprisoning black people at that rate. Yeah, would, how many people do we have in prison currently now? One percent, one percent of our population. So, what three point three million, maybe four million people. So yeah, in the span of four years, you're talking about like 
what would be near the equivalent of how many people are in prison for us right now. Does that put it into perspective? <laughs> yep. It's scary, right? It's, it's, it's amazing how, like, if you have a unified idea, the kind of evil shit that you can get done, and people aren't talking about it. I wish I could have gone more into what America needs to do about this, or what we as America... Like I said, so much good content in there. Holy crap. That's that's probably one of my favorite podcasts that came out this week, without question. Not even just as a point to feature that podcast. It just was that good. There was so much in it. Um, it's so good that, in fact, it was actually came out last week, but I'm moving into this week <laughs> for the episode. Uh, last up today, we have something that I literally probably only been on my radar for two days. It's called The Statist Quo. And... These gents have a really good, uh, really good program together. This particular episode is actually them having an air, I should say, the uh, the one host. Uh, they both weren't on it this week, but having a conversation with Pete Mance Raider. Uh, in this particular sequence, is about policing and uh, the way how, how how population is holding us back from making real changes and perhaps our own misgivings about why that is uh, so let's uh, let's dive right in and get into policing with Mance Raider uh, I use guys I work uh, we work for this guy who used to be like a big time sheriff and uh, a lot of the guys of course he's hired a bunch of his buddies you know to come and you know take all the nice gravy jobs but um, we work for essentially a ton of dudes that they're boomers, love cops, work cops, that type of thing. And I typically use them as like a barometer, as like the uh, conservative ink slash uh, establishment opinion. And I'll show them stories like that Mesa Police Department stories or the ones that are in Cleveland, which really should hit close to home because Cleveland ain't far from where we are. Um, never once have they complained about a police officer using excessive force. They, they will justify absolutely anything these guys do, no matter how egregious. And so will regular people. And that's the problem is, I mean, a former police officer can justify it all they want. The fact that the people who can actually move opinion, who are just normal people, are sitting by for this and making excuses for it. That's policing is not going to change. We're not going to see uh, a reduction in in police violence and basically this standing army uh, until people decide that they want to change. And right now, you know, they're, <laughs> they're more, they're more than willing to, I mean, if they're, if they're not going to get mad at Duncan Hunter, a hunter for saying that, you know, he knew that he was killing civilians and women and children over, over in Iraq and he had no problem with it. Then um, why, why would they get upset? Because the local cop, you know, beat up beat up some kid right they can't possibly imagine it happening to them i always ask these guys from there from like you know in this weird shitty status paradigm that we're in i always ask them okay so when cops are not held to account it creates a huge problem because what stops those with criminal tendencies from getting that power and abusing it and really what protects the rest of us from those kinds of people once they have that type of power and nobody ever gives me an answer for this, but I think really what it boils down to is these people, they see themselves as law abiding citizens and they comply when a cop pulls them over and they cannot possibly imagine that this could happen to them. 
until it does. Exactly. Yeah. But it doesn't, apparently it's not happening often enough because, um, we need to see a lot more of that. You know, we, I hate to say it, but you know, we need to see a lot more people, uh, maybe getting, uh, <laughs> the shit kicked out of them by cops and maybe their opinion. But I mean, I'm sure there are people out there who'll be like, yeah, I deserved it. Oh, of course. Because I mean, that's the brain. That's the level of brainwashing they're dealing. We're dealing with. Yeah, that Overton window is so far out of whack that yeah, it's it's going to be a long time before we see any type of positive change. Um, maybe not even in our lifetimes. I mean, yeah. And I, of course, if you see the way things are going with like the TSA putting in. Uh, not TSA, but TSA style body scanners being starting to be used as pilot programs in public places and like the surveillance state just getting even worse and worse. It's like, dude, yeah, obviously shit's going in way the wrong direction. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Once again, I'm your host, Nikki P. This is the This Week in Liberpods podcast. You can find us at liberpods.com. Uh, you know, go to whatever podcast uh, player that you're using, rate, review, Tell us how awesome it is. If you want to submit your podcast or you just have a segment you think is absolutely needs to be included in the in the podcast, you can message me at liberpods at gmail.com and we'll get it in there. Otherwise, you go out, enjoy liberty, and if you find something you like, go subscribe. Show some love. Spread it around. <laughs>